but now that we're a family podcast. Do you want me to start? Yeah, you're going to start by telling me I look glamorous. Oh. <laughs> wow. The first thing I need to say is what you told me to say <laughs> when we started this podcast. <laughs> oh, just and that stop. is, you look glamorous. <laughs> okay, I can't stop. <laughs> that reminds me. Okay. I see know, where Leon gets it. Yeah, no, what? Okay, this reminds me of when we're kids and you like tell your sibling, like, go, go ask mom and daddy if we could have a cookie. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. And they go and they're like, Katie asked me to ask you to have a cookie. Yeah. And it's like, no, that wasn't the plan. Okay. So I came out to the garage and Elisha was like, wow, you look glamorous. And so we had this conversation and I wanted to have the conversation here on the podcast, but clearly we can't anymore. No, I was all for it. I was staging it. Yes. And then he just. I don't do well with that. Clearly. Yeah. I don't do well, like, when people tell me verbatim what to say. You know. Elisha <laughs> Peter. <No. laughs> but it does remind me when you, because you, you're like, okay, when we press record, you should say, wow, you look glamorous. Stop, don't keep saying <laughs> well, no, that. That's what you said. And then, uh, but it reminds me of Leon, our oldest. He, I'm pretty sure his primary love language is words of affirmation. Yeah. Because every day he will tell you, like, exactly how he wants you to praise him be like okay daddy i'm gonna get up on the couch i'm gonna do this cool i'm gonna do this trick onto the mattress and after i do it i want you to say wow leon that was the best trick i've ever seen you do you're such a good trick guy (laughs) okay he does do that uh well i kind of wanted to just i was just kind of proud of my shirt because i got it at a thrift store and it was like 70 dollars and i got it for seven so wow. the tags on it. I think the poor girl couldn't figure out when to wear it, which is the same as me, which is why I'm wearing it in a podcast. Hmm. It's just out of my closet. Anyways, okay, so we're going to talk about cultivating a relationship-building family culture. That was my working title, and I told it to Elisha, and he went cross-eyed. So no, we're probably well, going to have a different title for the podcast, but in my brain, that's what we're talking about today. I do like how well you say the title. Can you say it again? What? No. Yes, because cultivating a... Fa- Can you say it more time? Cultivating a relationship-building family culture. Yeah. You say it really well, but it is many words. It I is. Like. It, it is. You guys... Well, anyways, that's what we're talking about. And there's one main phrase that I want to talk about through this whole podcast, and that's carefree timelessness. Hmm. And I don't even know where we got this term, carefree timelessness. It was around a dinner table. We were married, and my dad came home, and he had heard something about carefree timelessness. Do you remember that? So this is since we've been married? Yeah. I thought and this was a phrase. It was like relationships need carefree timelessness to grow. Mm. Is that the first time you'd heard it? Yeah. No way. I had assumed that your family had used this term forever because it's such a part of your family's vernacular now. But yeah, it's we use it all the time, recent. but it's been recent. It's been since we've wow. been married. Okay, yeah. real quick. I just want to comment on this because I don't want to go through the whole episode. There's like a light shooting me in the eyeball. Is that going to matter? The one that's coming over your head? Over your shoulder? If you can live with it, then I think. Okay, then we're good? Okay, (laughs) okay, that's great. Um, And why I want to talk about this carefree timelessness is my dad came home and he was like, oh, he he read in a book or he heard somewhere that relationships need this element of carefree timelessness to thrive. And we do use this word all the time now. But Elisha and I, you guys know, we're big proponents of doing things together. As far as our families did things together, we see that as being very integral to our families developing great memories, developing great friendships and all those things. But 
what was interesting is when I kind of look at other families who are raised in similar ways, they didn't have that same element of carefree timelessness, even though they were doing everything together. Interesting. So like they did family evening Bible times. They did morning devotions. They all homeschooled together. Maybe they gardened together or they did sports together. But it was really focused on performance rather than fun. Hmm. And it was very outcome-based instead of just enjoying the journey. And like the whole reward and the whole goal of the experience was to have an experience. It wasn't to reach this like ideal outcome. And I think that's something our families did really well was that we did things together, but with an element of this carefreeness. Yeah, I I love that. And I agree that that was definitely a common theme in my upbringing as well. And it's certainly something that you and I, no, I think since we're aware of it now, we notice it when when it's happening. Yeah. We'll be like, oh my word, that was such a carefree, timeless afternoon, you know, where we just got to spend so much time with each other and the kids and we were all together and there was no agenda and it felt so relationship rich. And so we'll, now that we like have that phrase, we'll point it out more often than not. And yeah. I think you and I have talked about how badly we want to take like a carefree, timeless, uh, family vacation, mm -hmm. hopefully before the summer's over. Yeah. We're really bad at that. Yes. We don't really take vacations. We take trips and meaning like we'll go over to Elisha's family's house with the goal of like doing a bunch of concerts and it's fun and we love it and we love hanging out, mm. but we're thrashed yep. and <laughs> yeah. So tired. And it's the same thing with my family. We usually go over with there being an agenda. Yeah. Whether it's a holiday or... Or we're going to like record a, po a few podcasts with them or you're going to do some videos with your mom or... Or, yeah, just having a really strict, rigid schedule where there's some kind of outcome. There's some kind right. of reason we're getting together. And that timeless element of it, we're going to get into a few examples of things like that. But it's just something that really allows this organic... Like you can't, all you have to create is the environment for that carefree timelessness where it feels like we could just hang out and then you don't really know what's going to happen. Hmm. And I think that's really cool because I think sometimes I know for us as parents, we don't know what our kids need or what the relationship needs all the time and what is needed in that situation will kind of grow in its own way. Yes. Anyways, I know that sounds kind of weird, but I wanted to talk real quick, like kind of tie this in and give some examples with like the five love languages. Hmm. So I'm reading a book called The Five Love Languages for Kids. It's really, really good. I really suggest people read it. Um, just to tie them in real quick or remind us of them. It's physical touch, quality time, acts of service, words of affirmation, and gifts. Gifts, right? yes. And so... Something that they say in this book is that kids' love languages can change. And I really like that because a kid isn't in a box and we don't want to put them in a box too soon. Otherwise, they don't have room to grow and breathe and develop into whoever God created them to be. But right now, Louise's physical touch, Lucy's is quality time, and Leon's is acts of service. And not acts of service. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> words I was like, of well, affirmation. That's changed recently. Like <laughs> You didn't update me on that no one. No words of affirmation. And so, for instance, if we went on a camping trip, right, and that was, I think the kids are knocking on the garage door. Uh, they're playing outside with a friend. So 
a friend, meaning someone that's 15 and making sure that they're yes. okay out there. AKA a babysitter. <laughs> the babysitter. Yeah. They love when she comes over and hangs out with She's them. She's also though. a friend. So yes. that's why I said that. But then I was like, our kids are like four, three, two, and zero. People are going to be concerned that they're just hanging out with friends yeah. by themselves. The neighborhood kids. Yeah. yeah. So if Elisha went on a camping trip, for instance, I wrote some things down just as a, or we all went on a camping trip. Okay. This is a family camping trip. This is a family trip. camping trip. Okay. Okay. I, I feel like my mom, where I'm like <laughs> holding my notes so close to my nose and then far away, because this might kind of make some, uh, I can't really be discreet. Okay. So for Lucy, time would just be like going out with Elisha and like collecting firewood hmm. or staying with me while everyone else does something else. Hmm. My love language is quality time. So I feel like I love that Lucy's is quality time right now. I honestly hope it stays that way because she's our only girl at this point and it's a way that I feel very loved being with her and she feels very loved being with me. So it's a fun combination for me. Um, for like Leon, he wants to be told how good he is at something. Mm -hmm. So this is an opportunity to just be in a different situation where we can tell him he's good at stuff. And then for uh, Louis, it's just like having your arm around him, snuggling at the campfire. If mm. we had a kid who was uh, words, of, not words of affirmation, um, what's the other Acts one? Of Acts service of service. And gifts, yeah, yeah, it could be like helping him set up his bedroll or helping yeah. him, you know, set up. So even though it's just this environment, it can specifically cater to each one's specific needs. Yes. And uh, folks, I'm interrupting today's episode to tell you of something that is very important to me and I think could be of great interest to you. Votberg Music Academy. That is the online music school that Katie and I started six years ago with the intent of being able to offer affordable lessons to families. If you have any interest in learning the piano, the guitar, the fiddle, or the ukulele, or the mandolin, and you don't know anything, maybe your children are desiring to learn this one of these instruments and they don't know anything about the instruments, Votberg Music Academy may be the best place to start. Not only do we specialize in helping beginners get started, we also specialize in affordable lessons and we also specialize in getting families playing together. So if you are interested in your family playing any of these instruments, piano, guitar, fiddle, mandolin, ukulele, Go over to votebergmusicacademy.com, and when you go to sign up, if you use the coupon code PODCAST, you will get 15% off every month because it's a monthly subscription. It's already crazy affordable, but you'd get 15% off that crazy affordable price every month if you use the coupon code PODCAST. So head over there. Enjoy your lessons. Can't wait to hear your progress. Now let's get back to today's episode. I think something that you said prior to you going into the five love languages, um, which I think is, is crucial to note because I think every family's dynamic is going to cater to this naturally to different levels. Meaning like, I think my dad naturally created without even thinking about it, carefree, timeless situations. Yeah. That was his personality. Whereas I don't think your dad's personality naturally does that. No, so I some think families will to, naturally do this. Yeah. I think my dad just naturally had an environment where everybody just was felt like they could let down. You could play a card game. You could open a book. You could talk about an article you read that day. And everybody was in the living room every night. And it was just such a 
care wouldn't you say just a carefree oh, like no yeah, agenda you, there's no timeline there's no deadline and everybody i feel i think felt like they could air it out however they wanted to and so it, it was naturally i feel like that environment because of my dad's personality and the way he led yeah. our home whereas your dad's personality is he's a little bit more of a a doer i'd say yeah like, my mom and my dad are just like What's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's right. the next thing? Always on the move, always on right. the go. They don't naturally think to just sit down for hours on end in the living room, I would say. Well, I think... They value it and they I do it, but they have to make an effort to do it. They do it at different times naturally. It wouldn't be like a consistent natural pattern. Sure. Does that make sense? Like every once in a while, it would be like, oh, this is just a carefree timeless moment that just happened organically. Mm-hmm. But sometimes they were they were definitely facilitated yes. a lot in our home. Yes. And... I would encourage you guys as listeners, I thought this was fun and a fun exercise to do to look back on your best memories and see which ones had a carefree timelessness involved Hmm. and what was that activity that you were doing. Hmm. So, because a lot of people, you know, you hear it in the country songs, you hear it in people's memoirs. Often it's like camping, fishing, cooking, uh, driving to a sporting event or talking about it afterwards. Yeah, road trips. Road trips. All these things are like big you know, people will mention them consistently over and over and over. It's like, oh, my favorite memory with my dad or my favorite memory with my mom. These quintessential moments. And what they all have in common is that element of carefree timelessness. Mm. Mm. I think of like throwing a ball too, just going back to like love languages. I think that's like a carefree timeless element often when you're like, you throw a ball to Leon, right? Mm. You tell him how good he is. He's stoked. Yes. You know, Louis comes over for the high five every yes. time. Yes. And for Lucy, <laughs> it's like, oh, you're focusing individually on me. Right. So it's the same activity. Right. But it has this element that can just love each one of the kids in different ways. Yes. And I, I do like, too, how you differentiated between having a very outcome-driven activity, you know, or there being a very specific goal in mind. Because clearly those are good and necessary too. Mm-hmm. If you have a family work project where you've got a timeline, you're like, Hey, we're going to, maybe it's even an act of service for a neighbor. You're like, we're going to go put in the neighbor lady sprinkler system. We've got to have it done by tonight. Cause we're going back to work tomorrow. That sounds really random, but we did that. That's why you brought yeah, that up. That's why I brought that up. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, what? We did it, not Katie and I, Katie's family. Yeah. And I was with you guys. Yeah. We did it. Yes. Um, because, but all those other activities I think are a part of the greater ingredients too. I think yes. serving together as a family with a desired outcome is necessary. Wow. If you guys heard that was Leon, he's totally fine. They're playing games outside. So, <laughs> um, oh, and man. then, yeah. So working together, serving together, those are great things. But we, and so we're not saying that carefree timelessness is better than those things, or you should do it instead of those things. I think it's different than those things and you need to be able to acknowledge that. Yeah. Yeah. This, I mean, this isn't like a full recipe cause I don't even know if there is, a, there's definitely not a step-by-step recipe for developing family culture. I want to talk about this one element yes. that I think is crucial in family culture because I think you can do those things like being together all the time, like, and your kids just aren't friends mm. or you're together all your, all the time and your kids don't talk to you when they're adults, you know, the, a couple of the families that I know that were very rigid, but by all appearances did everything the same way as my family, the kids don't have a healthy relationship with the parents because there wasn't this element of like heartstrings that were tied. Hmm. And that can be for a lot of different reasons, but a child, I, I guess as a child always felt seen and heard and understood 
in these moments where I was able to just let down, kind of like tiptoe my way into a conversation or, you know, like there was enough time and freedom for me to be able to warm into either communicating with my parents or doing, you know, having a hard conversation with a sibling or just loosen up and have fun. Hmm. I think sometimes you need those elements. So then looking into what are some things that we can do to facilitate carefree timelessness? If this isn't a natural part of the family culture. Sure. Yeah. And uh, I think different seasons will, it'll be more natural than other seasons too. Yeah, I think of point. even when we were renting, it, I feel like there was a lot more carefree, timeless moments versus being homeowners. And oh, really? I think for my personality, like it's funny how when I w- was a renter and we were in different apartments or townhomes, I, I just so let down at the end of the day. And just didn't have like a care in the world. And I felt a lot more just open to whatever, whatever the night had for us, you know, and wrestling with the kids or playing games with the kiddos. But here it's funny how I've totally become like that project, you know, like the list of projects either out in the yard or in the, in the home where maybe I'll be with the kids outside working in the yard. But I'm like, gosh, man, dinner's in 45 minutes. I really need to wrap up whatever this thing is that I'm doing and the kids are trying to play games with me and I'm like, no way. I'm totally like, I'm totally that guy right now <laughs> that I never thought I would become where I'm like, you know, getting annoyed with the kids because they're messing up the the patio that I'm trying to put pavers in, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. That makes sense. And so again, maybe that, that's just a, a one-off scenario, but I do think different seasons of life can, it can change, you know, as to how, how common those scenarios pop up. So I came up with three things that I think can help facilitate that carefree timelessness. That's what I'm talking about. Whenever there's like numbers or ABC, you know, 1A, 2A, then... ABC, 1, 2, 3. Yes, I love stuff like that. So give me your three ways we can be happier in every way of life. Stop. (laughs) I want to hear it. We're like so opposed to like there being formulas to stuff because I think we've seen formulas lead families wrong because you put all your faith in the formula instead of in Christ and you're thinking that you can do it or we could do it. Hmm. We're really, Christ is the only one who can lead us and keep our children's hearts. So... Yeah, I think that we view them as tools. Yes. And like tools aren't an end all, you know, but it can help you get to a to a desired outcome or to a desired goal and it might a tool might be a good use in a different season for one person than it is for another person. Yeah. So, so yeah. disclaimers aside, uh, <laughs> there's three things that I thought of. One was saying no. One is environment. And one is new hobbies. Okay. Are you going to expound on those? Yeah. Are you ready for my TED Talk? Yes. Okay. So something that I think my family did very well with growing up was saying no to Hmm. things in order to facilitate carefree timelessness. A time that was always carefree for our family or like 90% of the time was dinner time. Hmm. We would, it still is like, yes, you're right. like we'll go over to my family's house and not get the conversation that we wanted to have maybe. And then we sit around at the dinner table and we can just talk and talk and talk. Yes. And that was just such a bonding, unifying time for our family. And dinner times would drag on for a, a while. Yes. Hours. Yeah. They, we'd have arguments there. We'd talk about what we're learning. We'd, it was just an awesome time with the food there. And it still is. It's my favorite time sitting like. Going back home to my family's house. Yes, with your family, yep. Dinner is like, yeah, the best. So my parents said no to a lot of things in order to facilitate that because a lot of sporting events 
are during dinner times. Yeah, yeah, or practices. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and practices. Well, yeah, that's kind of what I meant. Like I wanted to sign up for a dive team. Gotcha. And you could only do dive during dinner time. I was like 14 years old at the time. And so it was just out of the question because hmm. my parents weren't giving up that time. Hmm. I grew up with my dad being gone. Uh, well, when I was like 10 to 14 or 10 through, I don't know now, I guess as an adult, he started being gone through for three days down in California where he would work and then being like back three days home per week or in Oregon for four days. Okay. That's, that was every week. Yeah, every wow. week. And it actually was a great flow for us because it was great. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Because when daddy was home, he was home. And when he was gone, we just had our little flow. Mom was really good and organized and kept us engaged. So it worked out really mm-hmm. well for our family. That wouldn't work for everyone's family. But that said, on the nights he was home, we were all going to be home and eating dinner together. There were definitely exceptions to this rule when I got to high school. But this is why we only played volleyball because... It was a big deal for three months. We were sacrificing yeah. a lot of dinners together, together as a family. Three of us girls played at the same time, so it seemed kind of like a more worthy... Like an actual family uh, yeah, activity. Yeah, an actual family activity. Uh, but we didn't do track and field. We didn't do soccer. These were all sports that I did want to play. But looking back, I'm like, I actually value that that was a time for my family where it came naturally hmm. to have just that freedom. And so I'm grateful my parents fought to keep it that way even at the expense of other good things that would have been really fun to participate in. Yeah. It seems like a lot of extracurricular activities really creep into that dinner time zone because it's usually after the school hours. And so, you know, to go to dance recitals or to dance practice or to music lessons and, and and we're advocates of a lot of these things. You just have to really be selective on how frequently you have, like when you're saying yes, is it saying yes to three evenings a week or? And it, for different families, maybe that's not really your carefree, timeless thing. So it's not actually a big deal. Right. And you're getting these other, you have these awesome memories around going and supporting a kid at a sports yes. tournament. I know that for some of our friends, that's like a really fun family bonding yes. time at being, going to the baseball games. And so they have other times that work for their family, but for, my family growing up, this was the time. Yeah, I think it was for my family until I was probably about 17 because at that time, we, so we owned some coffee shops and our hours, we changed our hours from closing at six every day to closing at eight. And so even when you were working the closing shift, we'd always be able to get home by like 6.30 and all do dinner together. But then once we you know, shifted our hours to eight, then dinner became less of a family priority. If you were at home, there was always dinner there for everybody, but it wasn't the whole family altogether because some of us would always be closing the coffee shop and wouldn't be getting back until later. And I kind of, I've got mixed feelings about that. I've even told you, I was like, our our family dynamic changed there a bit. And I love my family and love my growing up, but I did kind of mourn the loss of, of that family dinner time when, when the coffee shop hour shifted. Yeah, that's interesting. So saying no, I think is the first way. If we don't naturally have that built into our life, what are some things we can say no to that are just keeping us busy, just keeping us separated, just keeping us fragmented? And then the second thing is environment. So, you know, you mentioned that being a homeowner has kind of taken away some of that carefree timelessness for you maybe. And for me, I think it's really facilitated it Hmm. because we have more control over the environment. Hmm. And so like, Yes, you have been doing a lot of projects around our home this summer. And as a result, like we hated spending time in our backyard. Sure. 
it was like hot. There was no place to sit. Yep. The other neighbor's yard looks into our backyard. But you guys, I wish I could show you. Elisha created this little like magical flower garden with like this baby flowering tree. And we have a wooden swing down there. Katie, I don't, first off, there's no <laughs> magic involved. Okay. So I don't <laughs> want to mislead. Just hard work. There's no, I don't want to mislead people. There's nothing enchanted about it. Well, I think uh, so. No, but I do think that it's got great potential because much of what our... What, what I worked on is going to pay off later on with like privacy, like a lot of the trees when they grow yeah. up. Yeah. Even that, that new flower tree I got that I think as time goes yeah, on. You're pretty proud of the flower well, tree. It is I'm, pretty magical. I, I, I'm grateful for it now, but I really do think that like in three years, our backyard is going to be awesome. Yeah. But that said, it's like we ate dinner out there last night. You're right. It was so fun. Elisha and I have had a few moments where we've just gone out on the porch that we made into an enjoyable space to sit at now. And then down below on like the patio where Elisha crafted this little garden that is not magical or enchanted, Mm-mm. but it's beautiful. And we have places we want to hang out outside now. Yeah, you're right. So Elisha and I go hang out and visit and the kids play around and there's just like no element of deadline or stress or anything to do because we've created that environment. You're right. And I think in some of the apartments we would have neighbors right outside or we just didn't want to pour that kind of effort into the environment. So you're kind of like always on the go. That makes sense. You're right. That's another, that's a pro of what's definitely happened in me working more in the yard is that because that it. I feel like you and I have so many like uninterrupted conversations out there because the kids are so entertained. They're so much more entertained in these, on these evenings when they're in the backyard playing than if we're like in the living room, Mm -hmm. then they're way more in like demanding a lot more of our attention. And so you're, you are right that we have gotten a lot more. Well, yeah. I mean, I I think you're right too. So there's like this give and take there. I I hear you. But my second like thought, I guess was if you don't want to hang out, at your dinner table because it's cluttery or dirty or you don't want to hang out, you know, in this specific environment, maybe change the environment. Yes. And I think if you've got the ability to do that, then by all means, yes. go for it. Uh, this is also the same in your bedroom for us. Okay. What, where, where are we going? Uh, I just always have to bring it back here. No. Okay. Wow. I'm going here because we were staying. Remember when we were staying up in this dingy room? Yeah. It was awful. You're right. I hated the environment. Yep. It was a big time turn off. Yes. Big time. Why are we using that type of language? <laughs> Katie. <laughs> okay, whatever. No, it, did, it, it honestly it affected, affected our sex me. life. It, 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 it affected me big time. Yeah. And I kept telling you that. Like, I mean, I would I would push past it, but it was like I had to force myself to block out the environment sure where some environments facilitate this like oh i want to hang out and i want to be with you here mm-hmm. and just have this carefree moment yes instead of just like ah that totally makes <laughs> sense and i think you are right because that a lot changed when we moved out of that room <laughs> a lot changed <laughs> needed to make it worth your while for not staying in there anymore okay the other thing my third point was developing new hobbies nice. often being out in nature i think is for whatever reason, really carefree for our family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like bike rides to the river, we bike down to the river. Yes, That's carefree. That then we get is. to the river, we just hang out. Yes. And Elisha and I just lay there and like sunbathe and go in the water and the kids play in the water. And it's like the most carefree you could possibly be 
with four little kids. I think so too. <laughs> that investing in the bikes and the bike trailers this spring has maybe is one of the greatest investments we've ever made. It might be the greatest of our entire life <laughs> oh, when wow. it's all said and wow. done. No, because that has been, it's, it's really exceeded my expectations because the ride itself is so joyful and carefree and conversational. Yeah. Like these paths are so quiet and smooth and because they're, they're paved. And Katie and I just get a talk while we're biking. Then we get to the river. We set up on our little beach area, which is almost feels private. It's like private every time. Yeah. Every once in a while, there'll be maybe one other family there. But we have our own little section of the beach we go to. That's been a win. It has been a win. <laughs> and I think, too, changing the environment so it is more of a win. Like, we do have a baby who gets really sweaty and hot and mm. doesn't like the water because he's six months right yes. now. So we bought a little umbrella a little bumbo chair, you know, just some yes. things to make the environment more, more conducive to the size of our family. Why are you? <laughs> well, no, I was just, I'm like laughing at myself because of how much joy. I, I don't know. I feel like I saw one of my single friends that's about my age, like two weeks ago. And he's like, well, what's been going on in your life? And and I basically said what I was just saying. I was like, oh, we've been like riding our bikes to the river and hanging out there. We got like a bumbo seat for Lawrence and <laughs> all the kids play and Katie and I are just able to talk. And it it's it's like such a, it's had such a profound impact on our family and like on our, the, the dynamic. But then you like go to explain it and it just kind of sounds funny. But I don't like regret, I don't care if it sounds funny. I love our trips to the river. Yeah, those have been really good. I think growing up, things like family mountain biking were elements of carefree timelessness, sitting on the lift when we were going up skiing places, mm. wakeboarding, because we were all just sitting on a boat. We didn't own a boat, but we would borrow boats. Mm -hmm. And that was a really fun time. And then not playing music for our family. And I think this is a good example of how things can be different for different people. It's not like this one size fits all activity is supposed, it's not like this activity is supposed to be fun for your family. If it's not, it's not right. like just scrap it because you guys enjoyed playing music. Would you say that is something that was carefree at times? Well, I think that there may have been some carefree times. I feel like when music. I go to your house, you guys all get out your instruments still and just like sit around and play i think different combinations of us will do that yeah certain siblings are less carefree yeah to play I mean, with. it's like some yeah. of us just really work well and we don't have to think and we can just play and it works well whereas yeah. other people you kind of have to be more intentional and you don't connect as much yeah well we playing music was always super stressful for us as a family my siblings they might say that they had a good experience I think it was, we learned other things like getting along character, yes. follow through. Yes. It was good, but like we would, we tried to learn the fiddle because we wanted to be like Elisha's family and learn the fiddle. And we would, our fiddles, you guys have the biggest chips out of them because we'd whack each other's fiddles. Are you kidding me? No. With, like with your other fiddle? With the bow. The bow. Okay. Isn't that terrible? That like is. stop talking, stop talking. We'd whack each other's fiddles. I can't believe we did this. Like no respect for yes. the instrument. How, were you? Were you like twenty or twenty-one? How old were you? Stop! I think I was like thirteen. Wow. Yeah, old That's enough. That's actually to older than I was expecting. So, kind of regret bringing up the age. <laughs> and then my sister Kyla, who's a little more passive-aggressive in her <laughs> disagreements, would just because my sister Kelsey and I we'd like fight over how it should go because we were both more visionary. And I love Kelsey. She loves me. We have very similar personalities in certain instances. So we really can grind on each other. 
in stressful situations. Do you guys want the rest of my family backstory or <laughs> no? And Kyla would sit over there on her cello and just go, mm-hmm, while we're trying to talk through an arrangement and she would not stop playing. So then we'd both whack her. Wow. And anyways, it was awful. We'd get in serious, like how you might picture a house of all girls being like, yeah, those were those moments. Wow. The cat fights. Anyways. And then no board games. We were highly competitive in my family and we'd always start yelling at each other over mm. board games. Hmm. So that might like be awesome for another family. It was right. so stressful. And yes. you and I aren't really board game people. We haven't been. Yeah, you're right. Because last time we played Monopoly, that did not go well. What happened? I cheated. Oh, my took word. It so personally. Oh, my word. Yeah, we aren't even going to talk about that. That was bad. Didn't I win anyways? I don't even I remember. I think I won anyways. But the principle of it was just jarring to me. We'd been married for like a year and... <sighs> That was a cruel realization that my husband cheated. Yeah. Anyway, so what may have worked for someone else's family may not work for our family or may have worked for your family. But I think just those those three things I thought would be helpful. Saying no to things, creating an environment that cultivates that, and then developing new hobbies if there's nothing that currently is just fun and enjoyable and more about the journey than the outcome. Yes. And I, I love this. And I, I think it's really good for me to keep this in mind because I do... You and I both like checklists. We like being task driven. Yeah. And that that's a really good thing. You know, when you you brought up like family music or you brought up work projects or um, sporting events or even, you know, doing board games, maybe it doesn't have this element of carefree timelessness, but they can still be really good things for your family. You know, I think because you're working through different things, you're working through, you know, serving other people together or, you know, getting along with each other, getting to a place where you're not attacking each other with your violin bows, you know, yeah. being able to get to that we place. Playing. That's what you, you actually didn't work through it. No, you just we quit. Yeah. We just quit. <laughs> uh, but a bunch of other really fruitful things can come of the other activities, but then distinguishing that you also need, or it, it can be very helpful if you've got just this these carefree activities where there's no agenda, there's no timeline, there's no, I guess, predetermined outcome that you need to see happen. Um, and again, I, I'm so grateful that my dad naturally, I think, created that environment. And I hear so many other people say this about my dad that aren't even family members. They're like, oh, man, yeah. like your he's... dad's one of the few people where I feel like I can just sit and talk. And I forget he's got like four businesses and 10 kids. And I, he's a freaking 30 major. grandkids. Like, cause he, you really have his full attention when you're talking to him. You feel like he's and, full blown retired, just sitting there, can talk to you forever. And he's got so much going on. Yeah. It, it's admirable because he's always been that way. Yeah. So anyways. So that is all I have for today. Yes. I love it. Those are great. Can you say the title again? Stop. No, I want to hear it. How to create a carefree family culture. Cultivating a relationship building family culture. Yes. Because that's what Katie and I are so hungry to have for our own family is a relationship rich environment in addition to other things, but we want that element in our home with each other, with our children. And I, I do think that even though there's, there, there are so many dynamic things in humans and in relationships where you can't just say, Oh, this tool is helpful for everybody. I do think there are common themes that you can take from other people's experience. You know, you can learn from people's failures and successes. We can draw from our parents, uh, failures and successes and try to apply some of those principles in our own way. And I think this is one of those areas that we want to be proactive in doing that. Yeah. 
So we will see you guys next week. Next week. Farewell. Bye.